Hi, I'm Phil. I'm a compulsive overeater calling in from New York City, originally from Buffalo, New York, in the farm country. And I'm a 35-year-old guy. I've been 400 pounds before, and today I'm roughly about 250 pounds, so I'm a 100-pounder easily. And I want to start with the big book. And the big book is where I really got my recovery from. In 2019, that's when my first absence started. And it starts with, men and women drink essentially because they like the effect produced by alcohol. The sensation is so elusive that while they admit it's injurious, they cannot after a time differentiate the true to the false. Switch out with alcohol and food and that's me. I don't understand food at all, but it's injurious to me and yet I do it, or at least I used to. And then on the next page it goes, all these and many others have one symptom in common. They cannot start drinking without developing the phenomenon of craving. And this phenomenon, for me, is a craving of food. And it really took an OA program and doing the step work and really working over the last four years of my absence really hard with outside help, like my sponsor suggests, from a nutritionist, therapist, and other professionals also, to really understand, like, why do I eat? But then on 23 in the big book, it talks about once in a while, while he may tell the truth, and the truth strains to say is usually that he has no more idea why he took that first drink than you have. And this is something that I've really struggled with with my medical professionals on my team because I don't understand why I eat. I don't understand why I ever picked up. I don't understand and why I still want to do it to this day because the thoughts come. But I will say the absence is the most important thing in my life. And thankfully, one day at a time, I've remained abstinent, and I've remained a 100-pounder, which I'm truly grateful for, even through the pandemic. And it's because of the connection that the program taught me to have. The opposite of addiction is connection. And then on the next page, it talks about, I have lost the power of choice in drink. Well, I've lost the power and choice of choosing what I eat. I give that up. I let my nutritionist, my sponsor, and other trusted fellows in the program help me out there in my sponsor chain with what I'm going to eat in a day that's a sane amount of food. And what I think is a sane amount of food and what is actually a sane amount of food for me, two completely different concepts. But then on the next page in the big book, it says there's a solution. And the solution for me, at least, is in steps. Now, how did I get here? Well, when I was growing up, my parents burnt everything if they ever did cook. So they ate very poorly. It was all fast food and really terrible food, you know, the American diet. And living in the country in western New York, you know, it was just terrible food. And the first real thing that I really had trouble with was I had a major binge as a kid on a certain food item. And to this day, if I even smell that food item, it makes me nauseous. And that's kind of where some of my food behavior started, I think, but I don't quite understand it. And I had my first seizure at 13. My doctor suggested it was um, the diet soda, so I quit that in 2001 when I was 13 years old, and I haven't had it since, one day at a time, long before program, of course, but that was my first real experience giving something up. And it was hard, I have to say, but I did it, and that was willpower. But in college, 
I got up to 400 pounds, and my first real experience with weight loss was I lost weight on willpower. And in about seven months, I took off 150 pounds, got down to 250 where I am today, and then I bounced right back up to 375. And the reason why? Well, the program calls it that first compulsive bite. And I didn't understand this before the program, but I was always prone to taking that first compulsive bite because I'm kind of like the jaywalker that the big book talks about. I get a thrill out of doing things that aren't right for me. And food, for some reason, gives me a thrill. And that's why I've lost the power of choice because I just get thrills when I eat. So ultimately, in college, I learned I like to walk which was great, and I kept that up even at 400 pounds, and I hurt my knees, I hurt my ankles, and also I hurt my butt many times, too, and my neck because I'd break seats all the time. And, you know, seats aren't meant for a 400-pound guy. I'm sorry. And, you know, I didn't quite understand what my problem was. I just thought I had a weight problem, like all of our literature says. And at that time in my life, I'd also scream into a pillow every night thinking that that would be great stress relief. And <laughs> I can tell you today, it wasn't. It ruined my throat. It caused the sleep apnea that I still deal with today. And you know, even though I've lost weight, like I ruined my throat. I ruined a structure in my throat that literally has, that can't be fixed through weight because I literally screamed. And that that's part of the disease for me. And this disease of obesity is really damaging in a lot of different ways. Like, it left me with heart problems, and it left me with mental issues and all sorts of things. You know, and I won't really get into all the medical problems I went through, but I had this really bad dizziness. And one night, I'll never forget, I was walking across the Brooklyn Bridge, I moved to New York City after college in 2011, 2012, and one night I was walking across the Brooklyn Bridge after getting out for my first job in an evening, and Manhattan just went black and it felt like the Brooklyn Bridge was falling underneath me. Obviously, it's still there, but it felt like it to me, and it was very real, and that was my first panic attack. And what I've learned is the food has an effect of suppressing feeling because I don't want to feel and through the step work in the program, what I've learned is I don't want to feel, and the food becomes a crutch so that I don't have to feel. And it helps me sit on my couch, and it also really helped me, you know, just tune out from the world and unsubscribe from it. And it was very unhealthy for me to do because I would sit on my couch in 2015, 2016, those years, I can remember them, and I would get home from work, and I didn't really do any activities because I was too fat to do it, and, you know, basically, I, you know, I was so tired, and I was sick and tired of being sick and tired, but the problem was, was I was still eating, and I would just sit there for three hours saying, well, do I want this or do and eventually, I would get so freaking hungry that I would just say, oh, just deliver them both. And, when, and then before long, I'd have my nightly binge. And it was kind of like a premeditated binge for me. And this came from my black and white thinking and all sorts of other character defects. So 
by the time I got into the rooms in 2019, and the first room I ever walked into was a room in Times Square, and that same room I actually started a meeting two weeks ago in, and you know on Wednesday nights because I'm trying to get more in-person meetings in New York City going. But when I did that, what I also ended up with in that room was a solution, and that was called the There is a Solution meeting in 2019. And my sponsor that I would eventually get asked me that night, point blank during fellowship where I would connect with other fellows over dinner, he would ask, how's all that working for me? Well, honestly, it wasn't. (laughs) And then he said, well, why don't you join our 15-week workshop because we're going to go through the steps in the workshop format. And it's a spiral-bound book in OA that does it. And you get together with 12 to 15 other fellows and you do the steps together. And my experience with steps were, step one is powerlessness. I'm completely powerless. I just went through all some of the insanity I went through. Like, there was far more. Like, my mother would leave me in the room to cry. She didn't really touch me as a kid. So I was really touch-starved and an only child. And, you know, that couldn't have been healthy for me. And it probably led to some of the behaviors of me seeing food as God for a very long time because, I didn't believe in God because I couldn't see God, right? So step one, I'm completely powerless. I was willing to admit that from the first day because walking into the rooms, I hit a bottom. And I didn't want to admit it at the time, but looking back, I was at the bottom. Then step two for me, it's really about hope. It's about looking around the rooms and seeing everyone who's recovered. And there's a lot of people in these rooms who speak true recovery, and they have sanity about them. And for me, I started, I've really done a lot of work on myself. And I realized I have more sanity today than I have had in any other part of my life. And it's because I've done the hard, emotionally draining work that the steps lead us through. So there really is hope, and that's what step two is all about, realizing that there might be something out there that can help me recover because others have done it. And then, of course, there's step three. Made a decision to turn my will and my life over to God as I understand God. And it doesn't say anything about I have to believe God. It says I have to make a decision that I'm going to believe in something greater than myself. It can be anything that's greater than me that's going to help me recover. And for me, that's really time in the universe. Like, that's kind of my concept because I learn everything as long as I have time to get there. And I just have to have a little bit of patience. And that's really carried me along in the last four years with my higher power being time, because I realize I'm powerless. And God will take care of everything, and in time, everything is taken care of. I don't have to worry about work. I don't have to worry about life. And in times where I do try to take my loan, my power back, It always backfires. It doesn't work. So I have a sponsor, and I keep talking to him, and he reminds me, like, you're trying to play God again. And even the big book, it talks about that actor running the show on page 62 or 63, and it doesn't work. You know, I can't be the person that runs the show anymore, and that was part of the reason why I was seeing. I was running the show. People were disappointing me. I was getting angry and resentful, and that's the number one killer. And boom, we're right back in the disease. So 
once I got past step three, I got to step four, and I really thought about, well, I'm pretty much resentful at everyone and everything. I'm angry at the world, and I'm also very fearful, and I had to get that all on paper. Getting it on paper was almost a relief for me, and I've done a couple more since 2019. In fact, I've realized recently that it's probably time to do another one because I'm noticing that things just are, you know, coming up where I'm seeing why am I taking my will back? And this is daily work, and even says in the big book around step 11 that I have to keep doing this because the bedevilments are there and these character defects keep coming up, and there's not one day where they're not. And so, you know, step four is really vital for understanding, like, what is my part in everything? So I went to step five. I talked to my sponsor, and I turned over all of these things, and he says, you are a terrible person. Like, I did a lot of that, too. But now that you understand it, like, you can write it down and work on it. And that's the truth. Step five gave me perspective. And it gave me hope that maybe I can change because the world's not going to change around me. It's me that has to change. My job's not going to change. But I need to change. So step six is all about this change. Like, what are his character defects? Well, for me... I found that I was very controlling. I had high expectations. I was a big-time people-pleaser. And even in more recent work with people-pleasing, I'm starting to realize that it comes down to I have a fear of evil. And I really think that that's underneath it. I'm still working through it. And, you know, this stuff goes really deep. But I also have impatience. I'm insensitive at times. You know, these are the things that I do, but when I was a kid, these were coping mechanisms. And what I realized around step six is the food became a coping mechanism to deal with my with the family dynamics I grew up around because my parents weren't really intimate. They weren't intimate with me, and I never really had a demonstration of what love was. And to this day, I still don't fully grasp this concept of love, but I'm much closer to it than I've ever been before because of this program. It's really given me the gift of life and the gift of what they call happy, joyous, and free, which is happy is the absence of fear, joyous is living in gratitude, and freedom is freedom of this obsession from the food that I couldn't get away from. I never understood why. They kind of lifted around the time I got to step four through six. And I never, I still can't tell you why it lifted. It just did. And I think it's because I got desperate enough and I started really working through the stuff that was underneath. And, of course, God I lifted. You Thank you for the five minutes. And, you know, once I got through step six and seven, I gained a little bit of humility because I was very arrogant, too. Um, I got to step eight. And it's actually funny. I read step eight again in a meeting last week, and it says self-discipline is the principle. I always thought it as forgiveness before that. But the truth is, is all of this craziness hurt me. And I was the one suffering. And I have to not only forgive myself, but have the discipline to say, I can't do this anymore. And I need to make sure that my side of the street, my guilt, my shame, my hurts are all clear. And I have a clear conscience because if I have a clear conscience, 
and I'm allowing my emotions up, that means that they aren't coming up as anxiety and depression, which was causing that vision blackout on the Brooklyn Bridge I suffered with for years. Like when I came into this program and did the steps, the anxiety lifted, and I didn't need medications for it, thankfully. So, you know, that was really the step eight and nine work was clearing up my side of the street so that my guilt in conscience is clear. And then, of course, I do step 10 every single day, which is basically doing every other step every day and trying to understand, like, how can I be a better human being? How can I help others, too? That's step 12. And I always offer my services at means by starting them, by cheering them, by qualifying at them, by just showing up, because showing up really is service. And without service, of OA, and when we give service, we help others. And OA saved my life, so I have to give back to the program that saved my life because I go to doctors, and some of them are clueless. Like, they just say that this is a matter of willpower. Well, I'm here to tell you my willpower is very strong, but it doesn't last. It's good for a, It's basically good for getting me to me. So that's about all willpower is good for here. So I have to turn over my will and my life over to God every single day, and I have to make a commitment every single day. Because without that, there is no me. And I want to be here, and I want to do more. And that's why it's so important that I pray, meditate, do the footwork, follow the tools, make phone calls to other people, because that connection is really important, both in meetings, one-to-one connections, and it keeps me recovered and sane. And it also keeps weight off, too. And it's by far the most effective solution I've ever seen. I've had friends go through the stomach surgery, and they are more insane than ever before. And I'm grateful because this program gave me a perspective to see that, and it saved my life because I was able to tell the surgeon, no, I'm not going through the stomach operation. And I'm so grateful I did. I'm so grateful I'm not chasing after solutions and medications because you know what? Yeah, they might work temporarily or physically, but they aren't going to clear the mind crap that's in my head. And that's where my real problem lives. And that takes daily work. That's what Step 11 is all about. So for me, I'm truly happy, joyous, and free today. I'm maintaining about 150 pounds off. I've had a few ups and downs, but they're nothing like before, and I'm just so grateful for that. So I'll leave my contact information before the recording stops. It's Bill M. I'm in New York City, so that would be Eastern U.S. time, 716-801-0890. And thanks for having me.